It's Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. It'll be Paul, Rhino and Tess tonight. Spud was actually at the game, so we've got some uh, comments off him again. Oh, how much better is it when you get three points on a weekend? And we beat Everton. Makes up for that first round loss a fair bit. So we'll be discussing the win, the best on grounds, and the upcoming game against Crystal Palace. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Ho Aston Villa because we are on the board for 2022-2023. Is that right? Yep, season with a win over Everton. How are we, Tess and Ryan? Doing good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, doing well. Golden. Golden. I'm feeling a bit ings. (laughs) I mean, I was yesterday, I think I was saying I had um, butterflies, you know, like just before the game and like for the, like three hours leading up to the game, I had butterflies and I just didn't know what to do with myself and I was just so excited and <laughs> put the villain top on and everything. It's it, like after losing the first game, it was a lot riding on this game, wasn't it? So there was a bit of pressure. I felt the same before, you know, a couple of hours before kickoff, a bit nervous, a lot of nervous energy and just, yeah, just really wanted to win that one. So glad we did. Yeah. Well, something, something must be wrong with me, guys, because I literally, I just felt, about an hour before the game, I really felt we were going to win it. I thought we were going to win it three or four nil. I was super, super confident, and I'm not usually that kind of guy. Yeah, well, if you go back to last week, I was saying, you know, when we had to do our predictions, I, I went with a cautious one-one. Um, but I think as the as the week went on and we got close to the game, I was like, no, I think we can win this game. I really do. I really think we can win this game if we just like play the right players in the right places and we have some sort of organization i think we can do better than everton and so my i felt like towards the end of the week that we could win the game granted last week i did say we'd get a draw i think well you did but um let's have a quick look we we we, we do have a um a twitter page it's called australian villa fans if you're looking for it it's at aussie villains and we put a few polls up this week. And one of them was, what would the result be against Everton? 60% uh, people said that would be a Villa win. 12% said a draw. And 28% typical of Villa fans thought that we would actually uh, lose this one. So mm. that, had, that had just over 100 votes. So not a huge um, amount. But it does show people were really worried after that first game. So I think that was a fair indication of how a lot of us felt going in. We did. We did feel a bit apprehensive, if you if you like, um, but there was certainly a lot of negativity around the first performance, and um, rightly so. I, the The first performance wasn't very good, but um, we had to remember it was the first game of the season. 
we're we're not new to this. We we had this last year when um, Watford came up and we lost to Watford as well. So, um, but it's what you do after that. Can you bounce back? Um, and Everton for me was a a great opportunity to b- bounce back. Um, well, for this yeah. one. Well, we'll come on to our kind of our uh, match review in a moment. Uh, I just want to go through another poll or two, if that's okay. We put up one uh, earlier. Um, Actually, I'll hold on to one of them because it's going to be a bit of news about Watkins soon. So I'll hold on to that one. We had another one um, straight after last week about if we thought Tyrone Mings had been treated fairly by Gerard, mm. um, And I put up, I don't think he's got the respect he deserves. 57% of our voters, once again, a good sample size, 134 votes. So 57% thought he hadn't been treated well. Uh, 20% said, and there's a lot of people who are anti-Mings, remember, 20% said they thought he had been treated well, and there was 22% that weren't sure. So, you know, we're looking at about 70-odd out of 134 people who went unequivocally, we don't think he's been treated too well. I was just glad to see him back in the team, to be honest, when the team sheet came out, and um, I think after Bournemouth away, he was um, he was well needed in the back line. Well, do you guys think... It was one of the weirdest weeks of reporting on Villa I've ever seen because there's reports that he'd done a hamstring and that um, you know it, it let Gerard off the off the leash. Yeah, was, there was there was reports yeah. of an injury, which was you know that come out quite late in the week after mm. all the comments from Gerard, which was quite strange. It seemed like <laughs> um, a bit of damage control maybe after the the comments that Gerard had made, and then all of a sudden they released that actually he wasn't a hundred percent fit. Neither was. When dear, they said he had an injury too. So it's really interesting to see those comments come late in the week, mm-hmm. maybe trying to cover up or trying to, like I say, damage control, I guess, is what it, it felt sounded, like to me. It sounded like a personal masterclass to it, me. It did. <laughs> it, it, I mean... It was a bit weird though, wasn't it? It was a strange week. It yeah. was a strange week where, you know, he's not playing until he looks me in the eyes and tells me that he's ready to to uh, play. I mean... Hi, were... Gaffer. There was some... No, no, Gaffer, look at me, look at me. Has Isn't anyone that... seen... Have you guys seen the movie Nope? No. Okay. No, I haven't. I won't go into it. I saw it yesterday. Just one of the things about Nope is about looking, <laughs> looking certain people or creatures in the eyes. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so, yeah, and I just think all of a sudden it became that there was a there was a groin injury. I think it was a groin injury. Um, yeah. And he's had a scan on the groin and it looked like there was bruising and all these sorts of things. Um, which to me, it just smelled of Perslo like, hey, what you said in the press there is going to create disharmony amongst the supporters. It can create disharmony in the in the change room. We might have to reevaluate how you're handling this situation. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Can I go into one more poll before we do our match review? Do it. Yeah. Sure. So, of course, me being the let's say the word shit, me being the shit stirrer I am, I uh, <laughs> spoke about it on the podcast with you guys and I put up a poll. This one had about 90 odd votes. So we're getting that consistent kind of about 100, which is good. Sounds like we're doing a TV show for Channel 9. We put up, will Gerard last the season? So 35% said yes. 35% said no. And I was a little bit surprised. 7% said shut up, pull your drunk. And 23%, again, similar, weren't really sure. So it, it did show the uncertainty of that first round and, and also maybe that we're a little bit over, we overreact a tiny bit. I think the, the end of last season plays a part as well. Obviously, the form, I think we won two out of the last 10 
at the back end of last season and losing the first one to Bournemouth, I think, yeah, a lot of fans obviously just seeing that pattern continue. But as Villa fans, as you've said, Paul, we we tend to jump on things quite quickly and uh, let it get out of hand. And I was just cruising on Twitter this week, just, you know, looking for some Villa info. And yeah, there's a lot of negativity out there and it just felt a bit blown out of proportion. But yeah. that's that's football these days, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yep. Uh, Tess, um, you and I, and we won't name it, but we got onto a space uh, yesterday morning and really good people on it, really love them, really enjoy listening. But I think I wrote to you saying, I'm out. This is too negative. I'm done. It was just um, almost an hour of I, – I, it was hard to explain. These guys are really reasonable and rational, but it was almost an hour of how can we rip Villa apart on the, on the day of a mm-hmm. huge game. Well, interestingly, um, the, the the spaces I used to actually help and co-host with the guys there who who run it, who are really amazing guys. Um, what happens in that space is, is they allow supporters to come on and they are allowed to come and say their part as they wish. Yeah. Um, it just happened that when I tuned into it and you tuned into it, um, there was somebody speaking and they were really really negative to be honest in that moment and I guess it's the way that some supporters were feeling but I guess if you're trying to join in and listen and you're listening to you know an hour or 20 minutes however long it was of negativity it kind of can help put you in that in that mind space and it's not um, my natural test it's not my natural instinct I'm a pretty even though I sound glass half empty I'm actually a <laughs> Um, I like to make people feel good about themselves kind of thing. And no, so, absolutely. And yeah. I guess um, just to defend, because I want to defend the, the the guys that run that space. Oh, they run um, it brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they are top-notch um, people. Mike and Ivan, um, Joe, they all do a really, really great job. It just happened that they allowed somebody to come on and, and uh, vent their frustrations, but that conversation did go on for quite a long time. I want to reiterate <laughs> that as well. Um that it is a great space, but yesterday was the first time I've just gone, I'm out. And I think you're 100% right. A couple of the people who were invited on were just so negative. It was like, you know that mate who's always got something wrong? He always <laughs> needs money, his car's broken, his missus is no good to him, his dog's got fleas. It was like listening to that mate. Yeah, oh, it's amazing how quickly it's turned after after the preseason, though, isn't it? After you know, the arrivals of Kamara and Carlos... You know, three or four wins in preseason, undefeated preseason. Everyone's really positive. Everyone's sort of riding this high end of the season. Then we lose one game, and it's it's just yeah, it's just a disaster, isn't it, for everyone? Yeah. Man, and it, the, the tide turns really quick. And, and to defend all of us, um, everyone who was down after last week, because we were all down. Um, it was the it wasn't so much as losing as the nature of how we went about it. It just seemed listless, lifeless and really um, uninspired. And I think that's what hit most of us so hard last week. It was the performance. Yes. it was. I mean, and we won't go on too much about the performance of last week because we have the performance this week. But the performance last week made a lot of people feel that we've brought great signings into the club, ones who the fans are all excited about. And then you get onto the pitch and for 96 minutes, you're watching this utter unorganization no one knows what they're doing it looks like everyone met each other yesterday and that isn't the case they met five weeks ago or whatever it was on pre-season in australia getting to know each other 
um, sharing rooms, all these sorts of things. And the performance last week was just not acceptable. Um, no. And that's why people were feeling that way because, you know, we had all those build-ups, those great announcement signings, all this sort of stuff. Um, um, and then it was about the anticipation of this week. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's break this up um, just for your benefit. Let's break up last night. We're so stoked to get the three points. There wouldn't be a Villa fan who's not. Um, well, actually, there probably is a few we were like. <laughs> we only won Why didn't we score 10? And Gerard, yeah. we score 12. Uh, let's get rid of Gerard. We only won 2 1. Um, but um, oh, no, I actually did see some negative people today saying the atmosphere is putrid. Now, it did go quiet in periods of the game, but I thought it was quite loud for quite a bit of it. So I'll leave it at that. But even then, we had to pick on our own crowd. I mean, Come on, Villa fans. I mean, I mean, you think, look, I think in the first 10 minutes, like it was just. The noise what sounded to me, and I, I watched the game on TV live, um, mm. but Jacob Ramsey had the fans singing, you yeah. know, um, yeah. uh, in the first 10, 15 minutes. Because um, we'll talk about, obviously, the game, but I did hear the crowd early on. I think later on in the game, second half, tends gone a bit, went a bit quiet, quieter. And I think, again, that is kind of due to the anxious, the anxiety of... Yeah. What what are we going to do with Villa today? Is you know that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely, definitely well, the nerves played a part in that second half. Well, let's start this way, guys. We get, we'll look at the starting eleven, which I think surprised a lot of people. We'll talk first half, and then we'll talk second half as our summary. So, I mean, we saw the starting eleven probably half an hour and an hour before the game last night, and I've got to say, I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised about having Watkins and Ings up front together, and was actually shocked. That, that that choice was made. Yeah. Definitely. I was I was really happy to see the two strikers starting a home game against Everton, one that we, we needed to win or you know, really want to start off well and like and get it get get some goals on the board. And to see two strikers start in that formation, I was really pleased with that. Um Coutinho starting for me I probably would have would have gone Buendia, but he's gone with Coutinho. But yeah, real positive formation, which was good to see. Was anyone surprised about uh, Ramsey starting? No, no. I wasn't surprised about Ramsey starting. Um, although um, I was tossing up between whether Ramsey plays based on last week's performance and Dougie Louise playing because he hadn't he hadn't played, so he yeah. should play in this game. Um, but I agree with... Uh, what Rhino said, I think having the two strikers up front um, was important for this game. And partly because the the rhetoric that I've been reading lately is that Aston Villa have got £60 million worth of strikers up there and only one of them's playing. Mm. And they're also, you know, everyone says that they can't work together, they can't play together. Every time they've played together, it's a car crash. They can't do it. And what we found is that they have played together and in this last game, and Watkins has set Danny Ings up for a goal and set Wendier up for a goal, and I guess partly unselfish of of Watkins in this in this particular game. Um, probably unfortunate not to score a goal himself, but yeah, um, yeah, I was really, really thought it was a really positive move. Well, well done, Gaffer. Well done, the coaching staff. Um, but uh, we touched on this last week. Why are we paying for a set piece coach? Because at the moment. We look horrendous. We'll come to that in a moment, but he's um he might have Samson's hair. If he gets a haircut, he might lose the job. <laughs> I don't know who's got one. I really don't. I, so, 
we are happy about the starting eleven. We were we went into it going. I, 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 the other surprise for me, I was real here happy to see Mings's name on the sheet because I was still a bit, will he actually play? Yeah, I was really really happy to see him on there. Uh, just after all the all the press last week about him not playing the first game, losing the captaincy in the comments from Joe. Just good to just get him start in and just sort of dispel some of that rumours about a rift and and. Yeah. He's, he he played really well. I thought he was really solid, and him and Carlos looked good together. Everton not playing with a recognised striker for most of the game, but they were playing with three tricky customers, three false sort of nines rotating, and caused a few issues. But I thought Ming stepped in and and did a really professional job. It's really good to see him back. Absolutely. So let's look at the first half. Um, I thought we were a bit. I think a few of us would say I thought we were a bit sloppy with some of our passes. I thought McGinn was slightly off. I was absolutely stoked to see Ramsey not just take control of the game, but glide past people and wasn't missing passes. And he, I don't want to say he's Jack Grealish, but he kind of played a little bit of a Jack Grealish role in that first half. And that's, at, you know, in that, that first period was what really set me alight. I thought he was sensational. Um, and what a goal. Oh, for a sloppy touch, what a goal by Ings. That's going to be, we're going to see that for many years, I reckon. Great finish. And that's what he is, though, Danny Ings, right? He's a, he is the finisher in, in our squad. Yeah. He can finish anything. And he's proven it time and time again, no matter where he's been. He is a finisher. And that was a great strike. Um, on his wrong foot? Touch, on his wrong foot, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Left foot, left foot, yeah. Yeah. I mean, first touch, knew he'd done something wrong, but quickly was able to adjust his body and then and then just swing his left foot at oh great goal no one's stopping that no one is stopping that goal that was fantastic so i don't know about you guys i'm going to let you come in with your first half but i thought mcginn uh mcginn was disappointing with his touches i know he was a hundred percent um every bit of effort you could possibly imagine i thought his touches were not fantastic i thought kamara and um ramsey um they're passing they're taking players on, their recovery of the ball was outstanding. I thought Coutinho was... Look, if it wasn't Coutinho, if it wasn't the person we know it is, we would have said it was horrendous. If it was any other player, I just don't know what's going on with him, but he, he does not look good at the moment. I think that sums it up quite well, Paul, to be honest. I thought the first 20 minutes we started really well. The tempo looked really good. I think we, we could have been in front in the first minute or two, after the second minute. Carlos... With a header six yards out from a corner, he'll look back on that and probably think he he should be burying it. But good start from us. Ramsey was really strong. The the carry with the ball, just Mm. really direct play from him. And no one could get near him, to be honest, which, you know, which is back to the Jacob Ramsey we know from last season. And I agree about McGinn. He had a couple of poor crosses into the box, which were sort of. You know, hitting the first man, not getting anywhere. But the ball he played to Watkins, I think he ta- he made the tackle in midfield and put the ball out to the wide right to Watkins. Yeah. Was sensational. Just set him away for the goal. And then Watkins does the rest, just peels away, <laughs> uses his pace, gets into the box and plays that ball into Danny Ings. And like I said, that finish is just world class. But I think after that first 20 minutes, the play... We had plenty of possession again. Kamara looked really good, really assured on the ball. But we sort of 
we were quite reserved in the way we were passing again and quite sort of passive. I didn't think we were looking forward enough with the passing. We were content to just sort of the easy passes again. But, look, it was a really good first half to go in 1-0. That's all I could have asked for, really. Yeah, I should have had a penalty as well. I, I think mm. so too. I, I, absolutely. I, 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 not many people have spoken about it today. I can't see how that's not a penalty. That's a penalty all day. Yeah. All day. Test what else <laughs> did you find, mate, about the first half? Great. Uh, Great. Yeah, first half was really, really good for me, especially the first uh, 15, 20 minutes, as Rhino mentioned. Um, I thought um, being at Villa Park, Jacob Ramsey knew he didn't have the best game last week. Um, got hauled at half time, and he said to himself, "When I go out on that pitch today, I'm going to show why I'm supposed to be starting." And he did that, um, and very well. <laughs> I mean, when he gets the ball and he starts attacking and running at players, it's it's so beautiful to watch because he's just he glides. It's like he's just like floating on that pitch, which looked like a bowling green, by the way. The pitch looked amazing, in, in my opinion, and and that was from the TV. But I guess. Um, um, Spud will be able to tell us more when he comes back because um, he was at the game. Um, I thought Kamara looked really good and assured. Um, it's nice to actually have a player who can try to control the midfield and dictate what's going to be happening and where the ball's going. I thought that was really, really good. Um, it was nice to see Tyrone Mings back in the team. I think we lacked leadership last week and he might not be wearing that captain's armband, but I'll tell you what, in that first half, um, it looked like he was the captain still to me. Um, yeah, agree. When I was watching him, he looked like he was still bossing and still getting people on their game and letting them know where they should be and patting people on the back when they did a good job. All these sorts of things that you want from your leader. And I saw that in Tyrone Mings. Um, again, Carlos um, Cash had a good game. Dean, Luke, hey, first half. I mean, We're only talking first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, Luke don't, Dean, first half. Well, you kettle. Luca Dean first half for me, I I, I didn't see much yeah. from him, or and I didn't see much from John McGinn, yeah. to be yeah. honest. Um, in fact, I got a little bit frustrated at John McGinn because I know that he's great at doing those long diagonal balls, but the problem we have is that whenever he gets the ball, he has to come inside because he's playing on the right hand side yeah. and he's left footed, yeah. yeah, and it leaves less options. So, say for example, Cash is bombing down on the right. McGinn tends to come inside first before that ball will actually go out to the right again, if it indeed does. Or normally it will go straight out it, to, to the left and do a long ball. So, And a few of those didn't work for me yesterday in the first half. So um, I got a little bit frustrated, but um, I was trying not to be too downbeat about it. No, exactly. We, we haven't touched on, uh, I think it was about 23, 24 minutes in, um, and Gordon scored a goal and gets on yeah. the phone. Now, I just wonder, was he calling VAR to say he was offside? Was he calling his mum to say, hey, mum, <laughs> have you seen my crap haircut? No, <laughs> it was last season. Mum, I'm going to the championship next season. Yeah, that one, yes. But Just just to touch on that, though, the, the corners and defending set pieces, that was really a really bad day for us. And every time a ball went in, oh, I was... Hard in mouth stuff, wasn't it? Do we get rid of honestly? I'm being serious. Do we get rid of the uh, set piece coach for defensive pieces because I, it looks like they're overthinking it? Um, they look yep. round at each other, but they're all natural defenders. 
So, you know, Mings and Carlos and so forth, they're, they're natural defenders. And if a set-piece coach is over-coaching in the, in the defensive things, um, I find it takes, for me, I can see the, the um, value of a set-piece coach for attacking plays, for like setting up piece, set pieces and so forth. But yeah. from a de- defensive point of view, it takes away that, um, that, catch-all, that natural instinct to defend see ball, get ball. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I really feel they're looking around at each other, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, no one's really attacking the ball for mm. me. It looks like the ball's just coming in and they're sort of marking their zones or mark, marking their players, but no one's really seeing the ball and going, right, That's I'm going to go for that. I'm going to get my head on it. And then the balls are dropping in and it's just chaos. And the, the Gordon disallowed goal was, you know, again, sort of crossed in, scramble around, no one clears it. And yeah, just... For me, we just don't look confident in that in that aspect of the game at the moment, which is surprising. The, um, that was the same as the the Bournemouth goal, almost wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, um, and look, I, the thing with this this special this set piece thing for me, right, is that if you're having to have a set piece coach to organise defending set pieces, what do the defensive coaches do? Yeah. Are we right though? Are we are we overjudging this? Um, because this is coming from the press and other people saying that he coaches both attacking and defensive set pieces. Or are we overreading it? And he may not even be doing that in defence. Look, I I don't know if he does both attack and defence, but I think it's clear, and we've spoken about it last week as well. I think at both ends of the ground, our set pieces haven't been good for a while now. Uh, attacking wise, we don't really get much joy from corners or free kicks. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been a threat in that area of the fields, and it feels like it's been a while now since we have been a threat. And starting off this season, we just look like we've regressed in defending set pieces. And we've got some big boys back there now with Carlos yeah. and Mings. Yeah. And Martinez is a, is a confident keeper and comes out the claim, which we'll get into in the second half. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it needs to be looked at because we're going to come up against – some some teams that are going to make us pay for that sort of defending. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, we're coming to the second half, and I felt that um, personally, I felt evident um, for a big part of the second half, uh, almost up until um, Coutinho went off with an injury. So for the first fifteen minutes, um, I thought we were starting to get bossed around um, by. Um, evident at that stage and thank thank goodness for Martinez and, and a few of our defenders getting out to block those shots. I thought we were in a bit of trouble in the first 15-20 minutes of the first half. Yeah. I oh, second half, sorry. Second half. Second, I, didn't, I didn't see that we were in trouble as such. Um, I just felt like we've gone in. Steven Gerrard would have said to the players, look, you're doing a great job out there. Let's go back out there and do more of the same. Yeah. And Frank Lampard would have gone inside and said to his team, look, you're not giving me enough out there. And you need to go back out there and at least for the first 20 minutes, go out there and show some intent and get on the front foot. And that's what it looked like to me, um, which gave some of the Villa players a bit of a wake-up call because I think it's a mindset thing just to, you know, if you're in the lead and you're playing well, you've dominated possession, you can you can have complacency. It's not intentional, but there'll be a little bit of complacency when you're playing and you're, you're not chasing the game again. And I felt like that's what happened um, for the first 20 20- first yeah 15 20 minutes of of the second half um but you know two different teams right so of course we have to expect that other teams are going to attack us and have some successes um 
and I just felt like although they had that sort of impetus, I did, we didn't look. They didn't look like they were going to score for me. Um, in 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 that period of time, um, do you want me to carry on about the rest of the second half? Yeah, go for it, mate. And then Ryan, you come in, mate, and we'll we'll do a couple more bits on the second half. Yeah. So um, after they came out a bit, I just started started to notice that we were we were starting to get back on the front foot again. We were keeping the possession. Kamara was kind of just like putting strings, in, in my opinion. Um, and just doing all that dirty work that can go unnoticed. You know, he was getting in challenges. He was like Freddy Krueger in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors, when he um, he does a puppet master thing. I'm really going sideways on my uh, on my movie. Yeah, and for those of you young people who don't know what Nightmare on Elm Street is... <laughs> not, not the remake, guys. Go back and watch the 80s... Uh, 80s uh, did they make a remake? Did they do a remake? Yes, they did. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. Off topic, but anyway, I was just saying, <laughs> yeah, um, Kamara was, as you say, um, put it, uh, like puppetry and all this kind of stuff. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Um, so my the the point which I I I, I was my favorite part is um, when Emmy Buendia came on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean. That if you're going to have somebody playing in that role in just behind those strikers, he showed you in that. How many minutes did he get? It, uh, what half, half an hour? Half an hour. In that half an hour, he showed you exactly um, how that position is supposed to be played, and topped it off with. I mean, he could, Watkins could have scored. He he scored a you know he set Watkins up. Watkins gave it back, and he scored a goal. Um, the way that he picks up the ball, he's. He doesn't stay in one position. He's he actually stole the ball he, back, didn't he? At that point, didn't he, didn't he steal the ball in the first place off? Yeah, to set it all up. Yeah, but he's just like one of these. Like he's like a mosquito, right? He's just like swiping and trying to find this little thing, and you can't find it. And that's what you want. He was everywhere. Like he was just his movement is amazing, and just gave options to players. It gave options to Cash when um, he went to the right. He gave options to. Um, uh, Ramsey when he went left you know he was in the middle and he had Ings and he had Watkins around him he just he was just he made the game look like we had an attacking threat a yep. better attacking threat and we had Kamara who said don't worry you guys go up there and do your thing and we'll we'll look after all this back here you don't have to worry and then the last 10 minutes came <laughs> um, the the cross from the Oh no, no! I bet it's gonna choose. That's gonna be the song. Oh no, no! What's his name? Um, <laughs> I bet. I bet that's gonna be the song. All right. Um, but he came on and he looked a little bit dangerous. Um, their goal because they didn't score. We scored for them. Yeah. But I mean, he's their leading scorer, by the way, this season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've read that too. Um, that ball should have never gone across that goal. Um, it should have been stopped before that by yeah. Cashy, I think it was. Um, Martinez had to put something on it because if he didn't, it was going in the back of the net. And when he'd put something on it, Dean had no, he couldn't get out of the way. Like the way that he was running towards the back post with uh, Iwobi there, there was no way like he could have stopped that. So, like, I think it was unfortunate. Um, uh, that. But what that did is that gave Everton confidence, didn't it? I mean, 
they just started like put, putting long balls forward and just trying to get in and around the box all the time, hustling and bustling. Um, but what I was really glad with is the resilience of the defence. So happy uh, you said that, yeah. Kashi um, was off the pitch at one point. You know, um, um, Carlos was injured. So we had to we had to bring Conter on. We had to bring Chambers on. We had to bring Ashley Young on. And um, who was there still talking at the back with them three in the last few minutes? Tyrone Mings. And what about Tyrone Mings' last-ditch um, tackle as well that, that um, would have brought an equaliser when he just got the foot on the ball? And I just thought a couple of his heroic efforts, um, I really hope they are praised this week. And I'm sure internally they will be. And Chambers did one too at the very yeah. end there as well. Yeah. So. Um, and that's what I'm talking about, seeing the game out, just resilient. Um, I've talked a lot of time about the second half, but um, there was a lot to unpack from that second half. And I showed a side where this is where we need to be more consistent. If teams are going to come at us, because we have to expect it, we just have to be resilient and try and have good game management. And I felt like we did that um, yesterday. Absolutely. Come on, Ryan, bring it home. It's quite open. It was pretty end-to-end. Everton, I thought, made a concerted effort to push their fullbacks forward in the second half. I thought Patterson and Mikolenko were looking to get forward and isolate Cash and Dinier. There was a bit of sort of space out wide, and they were looking to exploit that. In the first half, they were sitting real deep. They were like a back five, evidence. So that's why we mm. sort of struggled to break them down. But... The, the game, the second half, was a tailor of two subs for me. It was Buendina, Buendia and Onana from Everton. Those two guys came on, and both of them had a huge impact on the game. Buendia was sensational, as Tess has already said. He's just involved in everything, looking busy, looking to get on the ball. But he was really positive in what he was trying to do with the ball and get forward with the ball yeah. and not just sort of just pick it up deep and play a simple pass. I thought he was sensational. And for me, he has to start the next game. Um, the defending in the last 10 minutes was part of it was heroic. Part of it was, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was just glad to see Martinez come out and claim some of those crosses at the end. Yes. But good to see, good to see Buendia get on the score sheet as well. And Watkins could have grabbed himself a goal as well at the end, straight after they, the own goal from them. I think we went up the other end and, Watkins had a, a bit of a loose touch in the 88th minute and took it on his left and Pickford saved it. But the second half in between the, the goals at the end there was a bit sort of, I don't know, he sort of drifted a little bit for me in the second half, but Buendia was definitely the bright spark. Mm. Everything everything good came through him. And, yeah, I was glad to see Leon Bailey come on for rings. I think he added a bit of pace at the end there and sort of nearly got free a couple of times on the counter, which I think is going to be a real big weapon for us going forward. Um, but, yeah, just... I'm so happy you said that because I'm, I'm, I was thinking exactly the same thing about Bailey and I haven't read nor heard many people talk about his impact because I thought he also scared Everton for uh, large patches of those last few minutes as well. Definitely. There was a lot of space towards the end of the game and you could just see him getting one-on-one with his defender and there were some balls going over the top and no one's going to catch him. With the pace that he's got, he's he's going to beat 90% of the defenders in the league and I thought he looked really dangerous when he came. I thought he was unlucky not to start the game, but you know, looking to change the formation, someone had to drop out. But yeah, the defending at the end, I was 
heart in mouth and I was just glad Martinez came out for a couple of crosses at the end there. Mm-hmm. We ended up with Konza, Chambers and Mings at the back there at one point. And yep. yeah, yes. And Ashley Young. And Ashley, and Ashley Young. Did we make, yeah. four, did we make uh, four of our subs in the last I think we made at least <laughs> three of our subs in the last five minutes. So yeah. But no, I think, you know, like Tess touched on as well, it was good to see some fight and good to see some some grit from our guys, especially after last week. And just to hang in there when the going got tough. The crowd sort of went a bit quiet. There was a bit of tension, but they, they hung in there. And, you know, to get the three points is, was is exactly what we needed after last week. Beautiful. Guys, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get our top two players, not three. I don't want to hear anything about <laughs> player and that player. So it's going to be top two players each. Um, then we're going to have a look at who we would have in our lineup for next week against Crystal Palace. Um, and also touch on a couple of little rumours. You still have sport, oh, so love sport podcast. Sorry, this is Dylan's uh, <laughs> podcast on the Love Sport Podcast Network, and that's how you can find us. Um, so we'll come back and we'll talk about those things. Breaking the podcast, just to let you know, you can get Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast on Twitter. You get the Australian Fans of Villa. Get us on Facebook as well and join our group. You can get Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast through the Love Sport Podcast Network. That's the Love Sport Podcast Network. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and any other way you listen to your podcasts. It's through the Love Sport Podcast Network. This is Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Who are your two best players from yesterday? From yesterday's game, Absolutely. I don't think there'll be a surprise for one of them. Yeah, so um, oh, um, I felt Aaron Ramsey had a fantastic game, um, and and Kamara. Yeah, we put you under the pump there. Put you under the pump. So Kamara and Ramsey, you had uh, Rhino yourself. Kamara and Mings for me. Ooh, like it. Well, I went Ramsey ahead of Kamara just because of we won't go on about it. We just said we'd talk about who our top two are. We actually had Ramsey and Kamara, and I like the different opinions everyone's got. We put out a um, we put out another um, poll because I seem to love these polls. Um, I either should have married one, or you know, was my previous poll? <laughs> I'm not sure, but. We put who is your man of the match? I'll go on record saying it was Ramsey just said to Kamara. I should put in brackets Paul. Kamara got seventy nine percent of the votes. Uh Ramsey ten percent, Ings four percent, and other was seven percent. Now out of that other a lot of people had Matty Cash. And we had three hundred and thirty votes. So you're gonna get more votes when you've had a win. So out of three hundred and thirty votes, mm. you're looking at two hundred and thirty odds to two forty people went with Kamara to be the best player. So that's pretty you know that that's a very good sample size of what people thought. Speaking he of Matty Cash, that that we were in. The, it was, I think it was the second half. We were in a period where we just like the ball was just going everywhere and everywhere, and he brought the ball out, dragged it out, and was just so composed and just kept the ball for us. Was that the second half? Do you remember which part I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. This is what we're supposed to be able to do. We're in trouble. Someone can bring the ball out. Keep the ball. Don't just kick it somewhere. Keep the ball. 
find someone to pass it to so that we can go again. And that's what he did. And that, that was one of my favourite moments of the game as well yesterday. I think How good. probably inspired Tess by Kamara because I thought Kamara did it on a number of occasions throughout the 90 minutes. Um, that was one of the big takeaways. I went back and watched the game again today and Kamara, his ability to get back, but then settle and find the pass, maybe that inspired Cash in that period. He's got it all, hasn't he, Kamara? That range of passing that he's shown yesterday, he's, yeah, he looks a really astute signing to me. He can pick the long passes. He's in there doing the dirty work, tackling the short passes, picking up the ball. He doesn't lack confidence, that's for sure, and looks... Mm-hmm. Looks like that player we've been crying out for for a long time. Well, you want to talk about diagonals from McGinn. The diagonals from Kamara last yes. night. Yes. <laughs> they, were, they were to the advantage of the player. So it wasn't that, that kind of diagonal that the player has to come back to. Um, and I was really, obviously, it must be working well on the training pitch because our first touch with his passes were outstanding from a number of players. Yeah. Guys, rumor rumor mill is going absolutely off Tapia. Watkins is being sought after, apparently, by Leeds, Crystal Palace, and maybe even Everton. I think there was and maybe one or two other teams. But look, this has really gathered momentum today. Not for me. Not for me. We'll we'll keep him, thank you. (laughs) I mean mm. we to be honest. It would have to be for some really, really big, big money. And yeah. um, we only have two strikers and yes. one academy um, or um, rookie, if you like, in, in Cameron Archer, because we just got rid of um, Keenan Davis. So he's yes. gone to Watford. So we, yep. don't, have, we don't have strikers. The, this, I don't know where this story's come from, and I don't know if it's from any reliable sources. Oh, um, pretty... Mate, some pretty good sources. I was sent um, a number of uh, uh, clips from a Leeds fan um, who's over there at the moment. He was actually sending me um, the actual photos from the big publications in the UK. So it's definitely been reported on mainstream media in the UK in the last few hours. I mean, they're talking about this. I I saw some of them, but some of them were for um, some magazines. I won't name them. Um, but I, I did read some of them and I was just like, these are, these are like the Sun newspaper in England for me who claim they've got an exclusive about every transfer, but none of them happen. Um, I, I just can't see this one happen unless it's for some massive, massive money so that Villa can go and find another striker because we don't, we can't afford to, to give or sell Watkins at this stage unless he, he says, unless he says he wants to leave. Now, if you're talking about Leeds... Can I swear for a second? Who gives a toss or a shit what he thinks? Because he's got three years left on a contract. It's on our terms. If he is going, it's on our terms. I don't believe he is going. Um, But it was interesting to see these rumours. But at the same time, if a player says he doesn't want to be there and they put a transfer request in, the club has to accept that. And then as long as they get the money that they want. The, 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 The problem for me is, though, if you're talking about Leeds and Crystal Palace and Everton, you're talking about fighting to stay in the Premier League. If you're mm. talking about Aston Villa, you're talking about fighting in the top 10 of, of the Premier League and hopefully trying to scrape a European place. I don't see how that would make sense for him. Um, but yeah, Look, I, don't, I, I think what you've said sums it up. I, I think if he was going to go, um, quite a few Leeds fans that I know were coming to me were saying, oh, what a 
bargain it would be to picking him up for 20 or 25 million. <laughs> well, you, you're going to be no. paying, in this market, you're going to pay anywhere between 40 and 60 million for a strike like Watkins. And we're not going to go and sell him because even if we get a striker and even a good striker, they're going to have to acclimatise, get ready, used to the system, the the gaffer, everything. So I just think it's a bit pie in the sky. I, I think th- if, I we, if we carry on with this four three one two, and and you know it worked for us yesterday with Ings and and Watkins up top, Ings gets a goal, Watkins gets two assists. I think there's room for both of them in there. I know there's they haven't traditionally worked that well you haven't been given many chances to do it but ollie watkins is still young and still got a lot of potential i feel and can play a couple of different positions so it's a definite no from me keep him in there yeah i mean watkins is last week didn't we didn't we touch on that last week that yeah necessarily have to play as a striker but he can play with ings and and that's what happened last night yeah and we know that watkins isn't the best finisher right so and we saw that yesterday um, he's not the best finisher, and sometimes his first touch is a little bit haywire. But what we do have is a player who works hard, who can score goals. And he scored double figures in two seasons in a row now. Yeah. And that was um, uh, last season, I think he got 11 in was it eleven goals in the Premier League? Yep. And uh, 16 or 14 to 16 in, in the first season in the Premier League. There aren't many strikers for any club in the Premier League that are scoring more than uh, 15 goals. No. There aren't any. No. I love how direct he was yesterday as well, Watkins. There was a couple of times where he just picked the ball up and, you know, just took the took the man on for the for the Ings goal. Just you know, drove into the box. He's very hard to stop, and he's a strong, fast player. Once he gets a bit of momentum, he's yeah, he's 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 a he's a weapon for us, that's for sure. And there was a challenge in the second half. I think it was the, the a nothing ball down the line. It sort of bounced up. I can't remember. It was an evident defender who went up for the header, and Watkins just clattered into him trying to win the <laughs> header. And it was just you know it was good to see a lot of heart and a lot of you know he he wanted to get to that ball. And yeah, he looked like he was on yesterday. Watkins for me he looked good. Well, guys, do you want one? Can I can I give one more? Poll, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. I've really polled it up tonight. Honestly, um, you'll be dancing on him soon. I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I've got the legs for it. But um, <laughs> a couple, couple of days ago, we've put this poll up a few times. So we put up who will score more goals for Villa this season. There's 135 votes. Watkins actually got 60% of the vote. Um, Bailey, 10%. Ings, 13%. And Archer, 17%. Um, so I was a bit surprised that I thought it might be. Watkins and Ings going head to head there, so good sample size again. There's 135 votes, so um, a lot of people thought Watkins would be the leading scorer. I do believe it will be Ings, um, and I think if if Ings gets the chances like he did last night, uh, he's he's going to score, you know, anywhere between 13 to 20 goals. That'll be Ings is a tricky customer around that box. I, I we, you know, when that ball got headed down by Tarkovsky. And they tried to claim that Ings was offside. And then he did that little quick little swivel yes. and put the ball. I was like, Whew. <laughs> I was just like, if that goes in, <laughs> if that goes in, I'm running to Villa Park from here. <laughs> no, exactly right. So, look, it's just, I suppose it's also showing the value that supporters, even though we bag Watkins from time to time for his finishing, they still value the fact that he's going to be there scoring goals. Yep. He will score goals this season. And so will Danny Ings. The thing that I would like to see is, and I guess it's a little bit nostalgic, but you've got two strikers. Um, Watkins doesn't like playing wide, although he does like working in the channels. 
Danny Ings likes to play in the middle, up the top. But what he did yesterday was he was working the channels as well. If we can get these two players to gel a lot more, it would be nice to see uh, a, a modern version, if you like, of a Shearer Sutton, uh, Andy Cold White York. Oh, you know, stop it. Mm-hmm. I'm not to saying that these players are those quality of players, but if they can build up some sort of um, relationship to where, you know, there might be games where, look, you're probably going to be the better one to try and score goals in this one. I'm going to try and help you out more on this one, or you're going to help me more on this one, or just try to find each other. I think there's lots of goals in those two. In those two, They just need to find some sort of way to, to complement each other. And I know strikers are selfish, but... There's got to be times where you think, oh, I might get this one, but he's definitely in the better place. I've got to give it to him. And that, and, that, and we need to see that. Um, I think Watkins needs to learn that a little bit more because last season when they played together, I did see Danny Ings trying to put Watkins through quite a few times um, to score goals. Um, we need to see the same from Watkins as he did yesterday. So if they can continue that, I think there's a lot of goals in this team. Yep. Definitely. And I think the the big difference from Bournemouth to the Everton game as well is we weren't just trying to cross the ball in every time we were in a good position. We were looking to play through balls, get Ings you know, on the run, Watkins the same, free them up a bit. And I think we've got to play to their strengths a little bit as well, which we did yesterday and it sort of paid dividends. Just crossing the ball in for Ings is I don't think that's his strong suit, you know. I think he plays on the last, you know, the last defender, makes those runs. And if we've got someone like Wendia playing in that 10 position that can just slot those balls through for him, I think both strikers will get some goals this year. Yeah, agree. Guys, um, we're going to look at next game against Crystal Palace. And I suppose what I really want to get out of this is is not so much what we thinks will happen and I'm happy to hear that from you um, but our lineup and and before we go into our lineup it looks like Coutinho and really scarily Diego Carlos looks like he may have a longer term injury than we thought so I can't see them lining up uh, next week for for Villa well Diego Carlos definitely won't um, Coutinho I would, I would strongly doubt he will either mm. I'm going to go with, um, for my lineup, I'm going to stick with the same formation and go two up top. It's Crystal Palace away. It's another game that I think we've got to get after and try and get three points in. So I'd, I'd be brave and go the two strikers again. And my changes would be Buendia in for Coutinho and I'd put Chambers in for Carlos and, chain, and the rest would stay unchanged for me. I will do mine really quickly, uh, absolutely reiterating what you've said. Um, Crystal Palace is a team that are going to like the open style of football as well. So we'll be able to have a free um, running game. But I would have, um, I think I would put Konza in um, for Carlos. And yeah, that would be the only difference to what you've uh, what you've stated there. Yep. Mm. Yes. Uh, is, is Kashi fit? Because he came off. He, so. He, from all the injury stuff I looked at today, um, they didn't seem as concerned about him. So let's say that Cash is fit. I think we'd all have him in the team. Mm. Uh, yeah, so um, I'd like to go with the same, actually. The same as we did um, against against um, Everton. <laughs> um, obviously, Buendia is going to start because if Coutinho is out, then that means Buendia starts. 100%. Yeah. Um, See the thing about Palace, the, I'm, we 
the only concern about Palace is I'm not worried about what they do in the midfield, really. I'm more worried about what they do attacking-wise because they've yeah. got kind of maverick, maverick players. Would have been the uh, top yeah. catch us off guard. And, um, and I think, if I'm, memory serves me right, Konza always has the upper hand over um, Zaha. 100% why I wanted him in. In, in, in. Instead of Chambers, not saying Chambers is not a great defender, but hun- thank you for pointing that out because that is exactly my thought. I think Konza is is known for having good battles with Zaha and often gets the better of him. Um, and he will be a threat, um, as will the... Um, is it Elise? Is it Elise? No, the, uh, Eze. Eze. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I would go with... Sorry, I'm, I'm bumbling on here. I would, no. I would bring Bundia uh, 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 on uh, instead of Coutinho. I would bring Conza um, in instead of uh, Diego Carlos, and um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see um, Kamara, Douglas Louise, and Aaron Ramsey in the midfield. So who? Who do you take out for Louise? <laughs> so you, 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 so you take out the skipper in, in this game. Okay, you, know, you take oh, out I, the skipper in this game. But that C on his armband, I think, keeps him in the team. It mm. does keep him in the team. Um, I guess this is just what I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree with you. Um, look. I, if we touch on the game, I think we kind of have with our lineups. We were very adamant in our first podcast together, uh, up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. We were all adamant that this season is going to be um, horses for courses. And I think that um, our, we've all said um, that that will be the way we go. I do want to come back just for a moment, guys. Um, Spud uh, was at the game. He was very lucky enough to get tickets. Um, we miss you on the podcast, mate. And we thank Ryan for filling in last week. He actually had a different um, two players for us. Um, he had Ramsey and Mings as our two best players. And he thought McGinn's work off the ball was brilliant to watch. Now, whilst we see that kind of stuff on, um, we, we see it a bit on TV. And it's a, it, football is a game that allows the cameras to show you stuff. When you're at the game, you do see things that you don't see on TV. So he said McGinn's uh, work off the ball, and that would be the runs, the checking of opponents and everything, he said was uh, brilliant to watch. So, Spud, we miss you. We're so happy you got to see uh, Villa win at Villa Park. Yes. Uh, yes. So, Spud, when you're back, mate, we, we miss you very much. Well, I just wanted to uh, bring that up because I... We want a full match report as well. So we want it in detail um, <laughs> from, from when he got to Body Heath to... How he got to Villa Park, and wait, um, wait. what the what the steward's name was as well. Wait, wait. Yeah, rumor, rumors are that he gave Jared the team sheet at Bodymore Heath, and that's yes. why yeah. we went to Strikers. <laughs> I remember uh, unconfirmed. Now, now I don't want to spud the lose his job or anything, but I, I doubt um, after him travelling and watching a game and then partaking in maybe a couple beverages, I doubt he will remember too much of those lead up events. But that's <laughs> or anything after. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he was um that's really interesting perspective because I had Ramsey's our best player last night and he said Mings and we've all said that Mings had a great game. Um and, and we all also said that McGinn's second half was really, really good. So what, nice did, you, what did you think? What made you say I mean, what did you find in Ramsey's game that you really liked most, Paul? 
What we've missed so much um, since Grealish has left is that player who is confident to take the ball on. He's not looking for the backwards and sideways passes that we telegraph. And I just thought that every time he got it, he was just going past people and it changed how Everton had to respond to us. Yeah. Through Ramsey. Yeah. He stretches the defence, doesn't he? He makes those runs and he pulls people with him and it just opens up space for other players. And the way he just runs into the box, you can see defenders get nervous with him because he's got plenty of pace and he's a strong boy as well, Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. and um, Gerald would have said to him, look, I know that I know that young defender from Rangers. You go and run it. Yeah. You just keep running. You keep running yeah. that and they're going to have to double up on you and then there's going to be space for... Kamara to come in here or Coutinho to come just inside of you here, create that space for you. And, and that's what he did. And that run to the byline and then whip the ball across, oh, just like, oh, somebody just needs to be on the end of it. There was, yeah, there was one chance. Just going back to the first half quickly, Ramsey played a square ball across the box and it was a perfect ball and Coutinho was stretching oh, to reach it. Right. That was right at half. Just it was. 48 minutes. It was in injury time in the first half. And I was oh. like, where's Ings and Watkins? It was the perfect ball for one of our strikers and it was Coutinho, the shortest man on the field. Just couldn't get his legs to it. And that's the thing. Where were they? <laughs> yeah, that was the question I, I I'd marked down. Is where was Watkins and Ings? That was the that was the ball they cry out for as strikers, and was, neither were there. So yeah, interesting. It was such a great ball, and it was about a minute to go in the. It was in stoppage time of the first half, and it yeah. was such a perfect ball, and so different to what we've done before. Maybe it had them on the back foot because it yeah. was so good, and they were not used to it because we we kind of crossed the ball a bit early. So when uh, Digne and, and Cash get there, they cross it about 15 metres, um, you know, before, it, it, you know, from the um, from the goal. They pass about 15 to 20 metres in. And yeah, skipped so far past. It was probably only the cross came in about five metres from the keeper. The keeper couldn't get there. So it was, oh, it was sublime, actually. Yeah, it was perfect. Mm. Perfect ball in the box. And that's where you want your strikers. And yeah, we, we could have... There could have been three or four goals in that game for us. But anyway, we'll take the win. Oh, it's a great win and we're, we're so super excited. Guys, this is a Villa podcast. But before we go, I just wanted to go over a couple of results of last night because, of course, the other games do affect our ladder position. I thought Arsenal were sensational against Leicester. They won 4-2. Um, they could have easily won that 5 or 6 nil. And Jesus... Scoring a brace early on, I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be a uh, hat-trick for sure. I'm not sure if you saw any of these highlights. Yeah, I did. Yeah, they're looking they're looking good. And this is why I sort of want Villa to get after Crystal Palace and then West Ham, our next game at home, because then we've got Arsenal and Man City home and away. So it's yeah, I think for us it's important to try and get some points on the board before those two, because they look really good at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Brighton against Newcastle. I thought Brighton were desperately unlucky and, and missed pretty much a, a sitter not far from the end of the game. And, um, I, you know, Newcastle, they're off to a good start. But Brighton, you know, a great start as well. Man City absolutely took Bournemouth apart, which really scares me for a few weeks' time. And what you just said, 4-0 mm-hmm. could have easily been a lot more there. Yeah, I mean, that was, in, that was only the 3-0 first half and they only scored one in the second half. But... Um, I love that, that they only scored one, and I mean, they won four 0 But you know, I mean, it, it could have been a cricket score. <laughs> um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if there's any concern about playing Man City, what we did do is when we played them in the last game of the season, we gave them a really, really good game, apart yep. from when Gundogan came on at the end. Yep. And then we just kind of lost everything. The only concern that I have is if we have uh, Diego Carlos out, um, yep. we are almost playing with the same team again this season. The difference is that they now have Erling Haaland. Yeah. And we, we, I think, have a, a couple more creative players than what we did previously. So who knows how that will balance out. Um, look, I've just looked at a few articles. It looks like Carlos's injury could be far worse than we think. Um, mm. And they potentially have the transfer market for another centre-back. I don't think we need another centre-back in the transfer market. I Nor feel like we've got enough. But that came out of Gerard's mouth, so... You know. Is that what he said? Yes. Mm. He said that we need to go into market. He said we may need to go into the market to get a centre-back. Right. That's interesting. Well, that would say that the injury is far worse than what we think. Does that mean he doesn't trust the ones that we've got? Well, with Gerard at the moment, the, the things he's been saying in the last week or so, um, he's confusing the hell out of me. Maybe, we, maybe he's throwing smoke everywhere, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Uh, I look, mean... I think... Carlos will be a massive blow if he is out injured. We've only, you know, he's only played two games. He looks rock solid already. But I agree with Tess. I think with Mings, Konza, Chambers, yep. Courtney, Courtney Hawes is still there. I'd, I'd be going with that. I wouldn't be I, after another one myself. But I anyway. agree with you guys. I think we've got plenty of cover there. It's, in fact, I mean, hmm. he just, he just, sorry, he just, he just the other day said the squad is bloated. Mm. Just I, the I, other day. I look honestly. I I would love to have, you know um, have a meal with Gerard, and I think he's a great gaffer and uh, in terms of a person. But some of the stuff he's been saying the last week or two is really confusing the hell out of me. Maybe it is deliberate smoke. I don't know. Um, mm. Leeds led Southampton two 0 before Southampton did a really good comeback there. So thank God Leeds aren't off to a two win start. I'd have to hear that for the rest of my life. Um, Wolves, <laughs> you love Leeds. You even let all the Leeds fans know when they came to Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, I'm a a massive fan of Leeds, as you guys know. Huge, huge fan. Um, Not. Uh, Wolves and Fulham, I didn't see any of this nil-all draw, so I couldn't really comment on it. But the one we have to touch on, and this is Aston Villa podcast, Brentford 4-0. I'm going to go back to what Tess said, but they they didn't score a goal in the second half. (laughs) Yeah, it was all in the first half, wasn't it? The four goals. I think, wasn't it? Was it? it was something mean, was, yeah. They were four 0 up in the thirty fifth minute. That's I mean, crazy. I haven't watched the game, which I'm going to watch tonight because I I wasn't going to stay up yesterday. Look, I was so pumped for the win yesterday. You know, I went and had a couple of glasses of wine, and then I went to bed, and I, I went out fishing today, and I was just listening to um, other podcasts about Villa and just getting myself hyped up for next week, even though we still got another seven days to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, I'm gonna go in um, tonight and watch and watch that game back and just have a look at look at that. But I also want to just have a look at um, see Palace play. I want to see Palace play and yep. um, ready for next week. Um, see what. Not that I'm gonna tell Gerald what the team is, but uh, but be interesting to see what we're up. Against. Yeah, no, that's a really good call. And um, look, the the thing is, Crystal Palace don't play until Tuesday Tuesday morning, so we're gonna have that day in a bit. Uh, recovery over them as well, which is nice. And they're not going to get an easy game against Liverpool. Um, mm. I do like that. And especially considering we didn't even touch on this 
the conditions were very, very hot yesterday. Yes, so, good point, good point. And the, you know, 30-plus degrees and drinks breaks, et cetera, that, would, that might explain why we were a little bit laboured um, with the ball because, yeah, the conditions were just red hot and just not – I don't think the players are used to that over there. Well, no, I mean, I'm not being funny, but Villa players were just over in Brisbane and it was pretty warm over here for them. Oh, yeah, but 30 <laughs> on degrees. <laughs> but um, guys, the that if that weather does continue, that extra day or two over Palace could really make a good difference as well. So hopefully yeah. we get off to a great start. But going back to that Brentford game, there's no way on God's earth anyone would have predicted that result. They might have predicted a Brentford win because they're at home, Manchester United not playing really well, but Seeing Manchester United supporters being really upset, I don't want to say it gives me glee, but it gives me that hope for everyone because they have been so successful over decade after decade after decade. Welcome to the real world, people. Welcome to where we've been. That's yeah. right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, I haven't, as I say, I haven't seen it, but credit to Brentford because. For me, Brentford have played some really, really good football since they've been in the Premier League and obviously haven't had the type of quality of player that you have of the Manchester United. And I think, um, you know, they would admit that, you know, they'd concede that they don't have the quality of players that maybe Manchester United have or the wage budget that they have. Um, but what 55, they did do... That is, 55 million of transfers, I believe, to 550 million. Well, that's why the transfers or, or their salary... Um, it was something like nine to ten times the amount of money that Manchester United have spent compared to Brentford. And it goes to show that a game of football is 11 against 11 people, right? So no matter how, I mean, you do have different qualities, but anyone on their day can be can be uh, a winner. And Brentford have played good football since they've been in the Premier League. I mean, they might not have got all the results and they went through spells where they weren't scoring goals, but they were scraping results through. Um, and they have a really, really good coach. Yeah, um, Manchester United at the moment, and I'm sick of turning on TV and listening to Gary Neville and Jamie Redknapp and all these sorts of people um, talking about Manchester United and how bad they are and how much they need to change their owners. Everybody else is trying to play league for places. You know, not yep. everyone, not everyone is a Manchester United supporter. Um, it's a it's a game for everybody. And... It was really hard to listen test to a lot of podcasts today, which I, of course, like you, I devoured them as I'm doing different things around the house and shopping and all that stuff. And I just find it the amount of minutes spent on Man U compared to every other result was unbelievable. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They're a massive club. Don't get me wrong. They're a huge, huge establishment. But you have to give credit where credit's due. And you're not giving Brentford the credit that they deserve or Brighton last week the credit that they deserve. That's six goals in two games Manchester United conceded without scoring a goal. Mm, exactly right. And Look, I, I do want to say this. Uh, it is a personal thing for me with Brentford. A uh, good friend of mine, lifelong Brentford fan, lost his life last year. Um, and, you know, I, I couldn't help but shed a couple of tears for him because he this would have been a match of his dreams. Um, so for Sam, um, mate, I hope up up there, uh, which I believe you'll be. You look down, you just had the massive smile on your face all day today. Great Huge win for goal. you, Sam. Great yeah, great win. win. Excellent. Guys, before we finish the podcast, it's been a really fun one tonight. It's always fun when you get three points. Um, any any <laughs> thoughts before we take on Palace next week? Yeah, um, if, if you don't mind, I just... I read something today. Um, Tyra Mings posted on Twitter today um, about an article that 
Graham Souness has written about him. And I'm, I just want to say that Graham Souness winds me up so much because he's a has-been footballer, he won trophies, etc. But to suggest that someone like Tyron Minks shouldn't be talking because he's not achieved anything in his life is absolute BS. It's yeah. absolute BS. He's yeah. done more for inclusion, for diversity. He's done more for charities. He's 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 got to a semi-final of of a World Cup. He's got to a final of a European uh, Championships. Yeah, he's achieved things in his life, and it might not be the the level of achievement that um, Graham Souness is uh, domestically. But he's achieved a lot in his life and he's still achieving things at the moment. And to write silly things like what he did about Tyrone Mings, I just think is an utter disgrace. And I think it's time that Sky Sports got rid of people like him um, on, on their shows talking as a pundit because people don't rubbish anymore. Thank he's you, a dinosaur to Ness, isn't he? And he, like you say, Tess, is, I don't know why they give him the you know, the time on these, you know, these football programs anymore. I think the game's moved by people like him and get some young young people in with a bit more perspective, I think. Yeah, yeah. same articles you did and, and the response by Mings was really uh, measured and, and really far more controlled than I would be. I just want to add one more thing about Mings before you come in, Rhino. Um, he's also done a lot for not having a dodgy moustache for 20-odd years. <laughs> he's got a nice hairstyle now yeah <laughs> yeah true true and Rhino your uh, final thoughts here as well mate well said though Tess I appreciate that yeah just want to see more of the same from the Villa love to see Buendia start and let's just carry on this good feeling against Palace let's get another three points on the board and let's get rocking Guys, absolutely. Let's get on the front foot. That's all we ask. This is Up the Villa, the Australian Villa podcast. Um, we have absolutely loved having you on board. As we said, this is our regular format of people. Um, Spud will be back and we will have guests on from time to time. You can get us through the Love Sport Podcast Network on Apple, on Google, on Spotify. Uh, very easy to find there. And we will be doing a weekly. And sometimes if there's cup matches and everything, we will do smaller sessions. But we will at least do one a week, normally on Sunday. Um, so please give us a listen. Give us a like on the Love Sport Podcast Network. Uh, and it, we always love having our listeners uh, give feedback as well. Guys, be good this week. And uh, we will speak about the... Oh, look, thank you for joining us for another podcast. It was Paul, Ryan and Tess tonight. Spud was at the game, as we said. You can get us through the Love Sport Podcast Network on Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, any other format. And as you know, it's Hi-Ho Aston Villa. We cannot wait to speak to you next week. Hopefully with another three points against Crystal Palace. Always a hard game away. But hey, this team can do anything. Let's go, Villa. Up the Villa!